Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Rob, mine are he and him. It's nice to be back. And he's back, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) The deep sighs have returned to this podcast. Yeah. Could whoever's been using the soundboard in David's absence hit the party light popper button? Mom. Yeah, for the for, for for those of you in our <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, David still lives, he's still around. For those of you in the betting pool, uh, you know, for those of you who had who had him down for this week, congratulations, you are victors. I refuse um, I refuse to go nothing. before Kissinger. <laughs> <laughs> By this metric I will live forever. Became, <laughs> yeah, I became immortal. Fantastic. <laughs> uh so um we have got just a few little news nuggets to think, and then Rob has a horrible article which he hasn't even fucking shown me yet. So God no. help us. Uh, so it's really Rob, good. It's a it's an off. old favorite. It's uh it's it's someone who's about to be. I, I think maybe even about to become like an unofficial reporter for this podcast. Oh, <laughs> that annoyingly narrows it down, but doesn't. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> speculate later. Mm. Uh, and speaking of speculation, um, let's talk about some stuff. Uh, so according to an investigation by The Guardian and several universities and and a bunch of local journalists in South America, uh, it turns out that um, buying a carbon credit, carbon offset credits, uh, is actually mostly composed of flimflam. And they don't actually work. I know this is going to come as a real shock to you. Um, fucked up after. They did a big. Re- they did a re- big research piece um, that was launched, I think, last week. Like ninety percent of the rainforest uh, carbon credits uh, that are approved by a company called Vera, which is one of the world's largest uh, leading uh, carbon standards and and sort of marketplaces for carbon credits. Uh, like ninety percent of them are most likely phantom credits that don't actually reduce any uh, carbon uh, emissions or don't offset any emissions. Uh, any way uh which is bad news for among others disney uh shell good news uh gucci and also the band pearl jam so eddie vedder your time is up uh, rob i'm i'm stunned and shocked by this because you notoriously did that great long episode about how carbon credits are good actually and how everything's fine and i just to, to, to find that we were so wrong about this is just staggering i know yeah, i mean i didn't, this I didn't is... know pearl jam were oil barons <laughs> well i mean in my notes i've written them down as pear jam so I'm, maybe it's a whole different band that that's just slightly less less familiar to, to all of us um but it, basically how vera works is uh basically like a a project or another third party uh devises a a, a project to save rainforest somewhere um and they will what, like say well we're bolsonaro <laughs> well, I mean, he's been shot with all the disease guns. Maybe he does. Maybe the Cubans <laughs> did get to him. <laughs> Man, where did Havana Syndrome go? I miss Havana Syndrome. That was such a fun time. It's, does it's anybody all have inside that gun? Bolsonaro. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's why he's in the States. He's currently shaking the hands of CIA agents and absorbing the Havana syndrome just by proxy. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's given him COVID as he does it, so it swings around <laughs> that, really. I mean, it's like a 50-50 shot. He's either at a hospital or he's at a KFC, so far as I know, since he, like, got the fuck out of Dodge. Um, well, KFC is very close to CIA, so, you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> or he could, um, could, could be in his, uh, in his fucking guest house or wherever he is he sleeps in a big minion bed do you yeah. <laughs> it's sleeping under his minions bed sheet briefly on that though no no though i don't know if you saw but like lula uh, sacked the uh, head of the armed forces and said well we can't trust you because like the entirety of the military and the military police was weirdly absent on the day that they tried to do a january 6 uh, in brasilia so you know you good stuff and things to you know things to write down in our notebook for when we're in charge um i've got to say as well calling it a january 6th is almost is is possibly even worse than how every fucking scandal gets gate on the end of it nowadays (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know what else to call it like it was just like a couple of bozos i can't wait i can't wait to which i'm having to like you know someone goes oh did you see that january 6th the other day on august the 9th (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jamie, you, you joke, but I legitimately heard on MSNBC January the 6th gate. No, I actually heard that being said. Fuck, you should never cross the fucking streams like that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically how these, um, these carbon credit things work or are supposed to work is essentially you or like a group of people, like an environmental project or, or or i think maybe even fair itself like you start a project you go and you say well we're going to conserve 100 hectares of rainforest uh they then use like a a a, a formula devised by this company called vera to say that this is you know by doing this we will save x tons of carbon emissions uh this is uh or in independently audited and then uh co- companies can buy the carbon credits or the emission credits resulting from this saving because basically the project says by saving these 100 hectares of rainforest and it's it not being cut down in the next i can't remember the number of years but it's usually like 70 or 100 years this p- patch of rainforest will absorb this much co2 therefore if it's not destroyed there's this much carbon credit that can be uh, offset by pearl jam or disney or shell or whoever um, I love this. Kinda, so they, I mean, the, they, this company makes the wiki. Then is that what you're telling me? They have this the, is the, the magic um, formula, and they they make yeah, the, 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 the formula. The formula is step three question mark question mark question mark step four profit. I was under the impression that look what you're saying there. Someone starts a project, and just like these guys like make the wiki, and then the project <laughs> doesn't have to actually happen because the carbon <laughs> offsets already well, in I mean, place. So, so far as like the the thing in the Guardian said, like these projects, they have mostly taken place in some form or another. Um, but you know, there have been some significant problems. Like only a handful of them, when journalists went to check on sites, show evidence that like they have reduced deforestation. Um, and most of the sites, because of course this is what you get when you financialize everything and turn it into horseshit, is what you do is you say, well, if we didn't conserve these 100 hectares of rainforest. Um, Otherwise, next year or next week, they would be completely clear cut and like just gone completely. So, you know, you should give us a very high number of credits because the or else situation is very dire. So I don't know how the math is done, but like the academics and the journalists that looked at this um, said that in general, the overstatement of the threat was by like 400 percent. 
Because like now you have a financial incentive to lie about the amount of carbon you save, right? Because if you say, well, we're going to save a huge amount, you can sell those amounts of credits to Eddie Vedder, which is a great deal, except that you're not actually doing anything. I do love, I mean, the, the whole thing's fucked because the fundamental premise is, hey, you know what? We were going to do this bad shit, but we're not going to do that bad shit now, which means you can do that bad shit instead. It's like, how is that helping? But the net yeah. increase of bad shit is still going up. Like, it's, well, it's totally just fucked. Consider us lucky that they haven't yet figured out that they could go, well, if we, like, just don't do anything about climate change, it'll get worse and it'll kill this many million people. And then the carbon savings from the trees they would have, like, cut down in their life mean that we can, like, now burn another fucking, like, 200 hectares of rainforest every day. The thing that gets me is, mathematically, it's basically equivalent to going, hey, so we've got this car... It pollutes with, I don't know, like, let's just say for a ridiculous sake, 20 tons of carbon. But now we've, we rather than make that car, we're going to make this car instead, which only makes 10. So, you know, there we go. We, we've got our own carbon credit, like, built into the car. Well, and over the How lifetime... How is that any different? Yeah, well, and then over the lifetime of that car, you can say, well, actually, if it runs 10 years, we'll have saved... I don't know, 900 tons of carbon. So you can then sell that uh, to Shell and then they can build a new oil pipeline or something nice like that. Oh, fuck. Hello, Elon. How you doing? Yeah, that is... Exactly. That's Tesla. Um, uh, but yeah, essentially, just just to cover our ass, uh, Vera put out a big statement saying, obviously, they don't agree with this. They say that... The we did it. The <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Jamie, it was if we did it. It's just it's very soft. <laughs> Yeah, the CEO was wearing gloves while while doing that presentation. It was really weird, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just like we didn't really... I mean, we put it in the category of shit that should go away. Uh, so that's for this reason. So just as a, as a small uh, little bonus thing. Um, at, the, uh, at last year's uh, big climate conference in Glasgow... Um, the country's committed to, which was seen as like a landmark historic thing to do, uh, they committed 12 billion to like future proofing f uh, forest essentially. But there was a new article in uh, Nature Communications, I think, that estimates it would cost about as much as 390 billion a year uh, if we wanted to pay landowners to plant and protect enough trees um, by 2050 to reduce the amount of CO2 emissions necessary. So there's about a 380 billion uh, funding gap, even if this shit was real, which it isn't. Rob, sorry, what is future proofing a forest? That to me sounds like putting in some like hefty Ethernet or something. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's when you nationalise the sausage factory in the forest. Um, no, it's. Oh, okay. um, now, if you remember, we did an episode on, on like tree planting long, long time ago. I can't remember the number. But essentially, uh, what happens with little tree planting schemes is like, yes, there's a lot of saplings that get put in the ground, but then nobody looks after them and then they all die. But because everybody's had a PR shot, so it's fine. Yeah. yeah. And when I say future proofing, I mean, like not just putting in the saplings, but actually looking after them and making sure they reach maturity. Ah, doing the bare minimum, putting up a fence, yes, etc. Yes, Very yes. good. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but cool. that was all a bit too much work. So we've we've also decided, you know, to underfund it to the tune of three hundred eighty billion a year. Don't worry about it; it'll be yeah, fine. Probably fine. Uh, we'll, yeah. We'll just, yeah. Uh, also, we are getting into the carbon credit business. We have a very special magic formula that's only available on the five hundred pound a month uh, Patreon tier. So come <laughs> see us. <laughs> 
Yeah, a little known fact, if you if you subscribe to a £500 a month Patreon tier, you get 500 tonnes of carbon credits, like, along with it. Um, yes. You know, join join and see. Yeah, it's it's because yeah, yeah. you... It may not be valid everywhere, buying... but... It's, it's because you are buying future episodes that we then don't have to make, and then because... <laughs> It's like oh fuck me because we we normally a lot of not a lot of people know this but like we normally run our episodes on like bunker oil um we we yep. record in in a big cruise liner so if we don't have to pick put the big cruise liner out to sea we save a ton of carbon yeah we bought it off those libertarians that fucked it up <laughs> before we uh, before we move off this story do you actually need to finish that like cover your ass thing that I interrupted earlier uh well, we can. I'm best. just going to say, please, please do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say, uh, you know, according to a uh, press release that the Guardian put in as well, uh, Vera does not agree with the findings of the studies and says that it has flawed methodology and that it's actually wonderful and that, you know, they spoke to all the orangutans and other animals in the forest um, and they could be happier. <laughs> That'd be covered, excellent. That, I feel yeah, that we're covered. Absolutely yeah. secure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's all right then. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, let's um, let's talk about something that's not all right. So, uh, some people and the horrible bastards guilty of this know who they are. Some people have asked us to cover certain goings on, and why anyone wants the jaded and fucking just dead opinions of myself on this fucking topic i don't know but i will relent fine let this be a lesson you're entering the vicinity of an area adjacent to a location the kind of place where there might be a monster or some kind of weird mirror these are just examples it could also be something much better prepare to enter the scott pole door do you know, David, when you started talking at the beginning, it's just kind of personal I am. I started feeling bad, so I'm like, oh, is this about me? But as you went on, I became sure that, oh, this is about me. And as you kept going, I felt, yeah, and I don't feel bad about it, actually. It's a great <laughs> brand. Here we are. It's not just about well, you. It is bad, and you should feel bad, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to sit back and have a snack while you, while you crack on. <laughs> we're not going into mad detail on this, um, but... So, there's two things that are going on just now, which are related and intertwined, but separate. Um, the first thing we need to talk about is the GRA reform that's gone through, um, which is the Gender Recognition Reform Scotland Bill. It's been covered elsewhere plenty of times as to what it does, but effectively the bill makes the process of getting a gender recognition certificate easier, um, mostly by demedicalising the process and also cutting down the amount of time it takes to go through the whole thing. You know, uh, doing what a lot of other Euro European countries have done without yes. any problem whatsoever. And even then, ah, still okay. not as good as a lot of them. Um, I thought it. I thought so, it just put public toilets on, like the the free Patreon. <laughs> on the, uh. So, um, a gender recognition certificate is basically just an amending document that supersedes the gender field specifically on your birth certificate. That's that's basically all it does. Um, so, it is it is bureaucratic tipex basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need it for anything that you wouldn't need your birth certificate for. Now, that's obviously not much, but the yeah. things that you do require it for are like big life events such as getting married or dying. Um, and you know other administrative <laughs> pish like perhaps you require it for a passport I, with the right is, gender this on it. This is 
very bad news for for Scottish for trans people in Scotland as they are now allowed to die, which they were not allowed to before because they didn't have the right to. to uh, oh, you might want to hold on there, Rob. Oh, <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, carry on, David. The um, so like a bit of history on how this is all gone about. About six years and at least two consultations since the entire process of this was finally started and then stopped and started and stopped and started again, which remember that for a bit later on. Um, we get to the bill finally passing in Holyrood after a bunch of wrecking amendments were fought off one by one um, towards mm-hmm. the end of December. To be clear, it was meant to take like one day to pass and it took three. Yeah, which so... no one minded because of the sheer fucking time scales involved. It took less than one epoch for that section of yeah. it to go through, so it's fine. And also, they didn't just do regular sessions. They had to go to, like, you know, the middle of the night, oh, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. in order to just get through it. So real nuts kind of levels of reckoning going mm. on. It's, it's easily one of the most scrutinised pieces of legislation that's ever gone through the Scottish Parliament, like, easily. Um, I honestly think yet. it might be... I honestly think it might be the most scrutinised piece of fucking legislation that's ever gone through the Parliament. Yeah. Like, Reminder. It's more scrutinised. Reminder, we, we went through a process to try and become an independent country once already in the last few years, and this was more scrutinised than that, so, like... <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> yeah, actually. That's actually, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, because this is a devolved piece of legislation, it can't have anything in it at all which would be outside the scope of the Scottish Parliament. If it does, it it kills the billstone dead straight there. It just it's, it's no longer competent for the Scottish Parliament to be doing it. So all of it disappears, rather than just the the parts of it that are outside the scope. Mm-hmm. A bunch of those reckon amendments were specifically things that would add in mad shit that the Scottish Parliament could not do, and that's why mm-hmm. they were reckon amendments. Um, but none of them passed with the bill. It was deemed competent, voted on, um, and put through on the 22nd of December for royal assent which is just the bit where the king says that's fine after Westminster passes it on to him um, which is normal with a capital N obviously um, but also with a small N because that's just how all bills work mm-hmm. fast forward now to the 16th of January and the UK government has blocked the royal assent of the bill by using Section 35 of the Scotland Act 1998. So I'm going to jump in here. There's something you should know about the Scotland Act in that there's Section 33 and Section 35. Section 33 is if a bill is not legally competent to proceed, it can be referred and struck down. Section 35 is very specifically if they feel the bill would have an impact on reserved matters. Yes. And the question of whether or not this bill is reserved is the kind of key thing here. Is it something that Westminster mm. said, no, you're not allowed to do something about? And boy howdy, is this going to get very tedious very There quickly. are, there are a bunch of... There's, there's a whole fucking bunch of arguments. Some of them fucking ridiculous. Some of them just, like, tedious, and there's probably an element of something to them, but it's for a court to work that shit out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, this is not um, a legal podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to be fucking diving into the the, the, the depths of it all. Uh, but, whatever. It's now been referred off to the courts. That, that's it. There's nothing until the courts come back and say whatever they say. They will probably say it's fine to Section 35, actually, um, because that's yeah. what the courts do. Like they, we, We've seen this already because there was a question about an independence referendum not too long ago. Remember that in a minute. Um, yeah. Like it, That's well, just on- how it's going to work. On matters of sovereignty, the courts don't like to fuck with Westminster. 
specifically on matters of sovereignty. And um, Westminster's put forward like a whole big document, and I'll be honest with you, I read through it all, 90% of it is complete and utter horse shit in like mm-hmm. a won't stand up in court way. But the thing about courts is you get to walk in with a shotgun and fire, and as long as one pellet lands, yep. then, you know, it's a good argument. Yep. And they've got one, which is that... Get, right, this is genuinely the argument I think that's going to carry, and it's ludicrous, so check this out. Because the Bill on Equalities was drafted after the Bill on Changing Your Gender in the UK, it took into account the provisions of that Bill, and was based on how that Bill worked. And although the Bill on Gender Equalities is reserved, and the Scottish Parliament explicitly hasn't touched that, their argument is, is because they've touched a gender one that came first, which isn't reserved, but which the second one was drafted based on, that means that they're actually impinging upon a reserved area. And if that sounds like horseshit, it probably is. But the court's probably going to rule that it's fine. That, that, that carries. So, if, yeah. If you suddenly started having a nosebleed, that's normal. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. As, so, as a frequent haver of nosebleeds, let me reassure you, <laughs> this one is a perfectly is legitimate cause. Um, <laughs> Actually, yeah, sure. The whole the whole state of affairs basically fucking sucks, right? It's probably going to come back with a fuck you to the Scottish government from the courts, and in, in which point there's nothing they can do because it would be illegal. Like fuck you, that's it. Um, they could try and draft some other legislation. It will be go through the exact same process. It will probably take about another mm-hmm. six to twelve years um, for it to be attempted again. Whatever. It just fucking sucks, um, and trans people are being battered about. It's collateral in a constitutional argument at this point. That's all that is. It's not. I mean, it's not even constitutional. I mean, yes, it is, but it's kind of in- incidental. Like, yeah, it's, it's a culture both. war argument the Tories are doing for electioneering. That's basically about what this is. Yeah, 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 but yeah, in practice, it is constitutional. But yeah, like, there's there's many reasons behind it, and like I, I dare say, there's some elements of, um like constitutional wrangling and power flex and then I'm just going to go on to that in a wee second um, but the, the transphobia is absolutely a fucking element of it like 100% yeah um, so this brings me on to the, the, the second thing which is the Scott Paul of it all which is the bit that we all fucking hate <laughs> and and yet some of our depraved listeners love nothing more oh what's wrong with you <laughs> Lots of people, right, since this happened, have been very quick to look for any positives whatsoever to the circumstances which have now befallen us. This must be the end of the union, surely. Section 35 is unprecedented in its use. This is authoritarian. The lie of the union has been exposed, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. May I put it to you? So fuck. <laughs> yep. Every single bit of that is either hopium, copium, or a, 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 a very fucking delectable mix of the two. Um, mm. Like, nothing's changed. Nothing's well, changed. I mean, like, with, with regards I mean, to independence, I mean, uh, nothing has changed. No, and we sort of go back to like the. Because this is like. When was it? A few months ago when we also glossed over. Um, Nicola Sturgeon saying, "Yeah, we are doing a new referendum," and then he went to the courts, and the mm. courts said, "Now it's like, well, if that that sort of happened, that, and then I also don't think that like the SMP is right. gonna like gonna go to the mattresses for like trans people. Like, I think this is a good bill. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but you know, yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been nice if it had passed. It would have been very nice if it had passed. It would need a difference to quite a lot of people, and would have been good. But the only thing that's fundamentally changed, and by fundamentally changed, I mean I'm talking about since that fucking referendum result and the one question became the only question, 
the SNP now have significantly less leverage than they used to, and that's entirely by their own doing. So Interesting. Go on. Well, they've entirely defined the threat of a referendum by putting it through the courts. Oh, right, no, about referendum. Okay, yeah. sorry. So My it, brain it, crossed there and I was thinking about the gender bill, but carry on. No, 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 no. So it, the, the threat of a referendum has been completely defined. The SNP have no leverage. Um, the, all they've got now is a plan to hijack the next election um, and, and say, actually, it's a vote on this. And that's all they've got. It doesn't change anything legally. They know it doesn't change anything legally. So all it is is an appeal to, like some form of higher power. I don't know. They're very much still in the question mark phase of that plan. Um, but it's going to yeah. bring us to that exact same point. There's no legal substance. Nothing will have legally changed at that point at all. And if you're a party of law shagging libs that won't take any radical steps, then you've got no further. Let, let's even, let's for the sake of, you know, just argument, imagine that Nicola Sturgeon, you know, is visited by the ghosts of Scotland future. And she wakes up and paints her face with wood and decides she's gonna she's gonna really go for it. And somehow, bizarrely, all her party just claps and goes along with it, right? Um, in what circumstances isn't this just gonna end up like Catalonia? If yeah, there's none. UDI? there's none. Like there's none. I've seen people online going, "Oh, it's a very different situation with the constitutional set." And I'm like, "It is, yeah, yeah until they, it isn't." Yeah, exactly. And it's like the British government has already been talking about how we are a unitary state. Like the Britain is not like a, a you know alliance of, of nations which are bound together by common history etc. We're a unitary state. Scotland's a part of that state. We're basically a region, and um, fundamentally, here's the problem: they have a lot of guns. We have the nuclear base on our territory. The nuclear base is of strategic interest to the Americans. In what fucking world do you think they're going to let us just go? Like. That's Even what right, it ultimately I mean, comes down to. I know, I know what you mean, right? And and it should be fairly fucking obvious, but it's never going to get to that point because libs won't let it get to that point. It's as simple as that. It's not going to happen. They won't do anything. Um, if anything, the SNP and the Greens together have worked the Scottish Parliament in a position of being able to be acted upon with complete fucking impunity. There's nothing yeah. that they can do now at this point. The, the UK government can say and do whatever the fuck they like, and there's no threat anymore. There's nothing left. Um, I mean, sure that well, I mean, the only any threats issues. that are the, like the, the only threats that are left are the ones that they will a not issue and b not act upon, even if they did exactly, issue. exactly. So yeah. like, for for all intents and purposes, there's nothing that they can do at this point other than just kind of be mad about it, which achieves fuck all because they won't do anything with yeah. any of the mad. Um, I mean, th- th- this lays bare the issue of, you know, like, the UK government not taking on, you know, an account the opinions of the Scottish people or whatever other way it wants to be framed, fine. But it changes fuck all unless, like, on the off chance you are counting on a hung parliament. And even then, the Labour Party and the Tories will simply just say no. Like, they will just take a fucking minority government and collapse and have another election. As opposed to, well, I mean, the Labour government on this particular issue, so far as I can fucking see, will either side with the Tories or they will just abstain their way yeah. into the ground. Like they just, they just don't want to piss off Rosie fucking Duffield. Is essentially, so far <laughs> as I can make out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, if 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 we want a really fucking cynical take on this, right? A really fucking cynical take, and I'm not saying Hi. this is necessarily my take, but if you wanted to be, you could say that the timing of all of this works in such a way purely to drum up support for independence and nothing else. Basically, we tried. 
right? It's it's you could say it's the usual fucking left wing talk, but just useless liberal walk shit. They've had six years to fucking do this. It's been going through for fucking donkeys. They've needlessly delayed it, like at least once, if not twice. Yeah, I mean, and now I, they've now they've finally well now they've finally done it when their their bart's been shown to be I'm, nothing. I'm gonna be fucking bite. I'm gonna be knowing less about Scopple than the two of you, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna like say that be charitable and say they didn't design it this way simply because you know it took fucking six years of consultation. So either they had a plan six years I ahead didn't know. and like it, well, and, and like stacked the dominoes in this particular way, which is just like that's just no, that, and I'm not. Like I that's said, I'm not saying that that's, that's not happening. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's is what what they've done from the start. But like I'm saying, they could have done this at any fucking point in the last six years. At least yeah. one of those fucking consultations was not required. At least one of them wasn't. So can I uh, can I jump in on this, David, just to kind of give a definitive little thing here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like fundamentally this could have been done a long time ago and in a very straightforward way but the S&P held off on doing it for internal political reasons that's what it comes down to oh, and they kicked it into the long grass they kicked it into the long grass and honestly I think that if they had done this when it had first been on the cards and not kicked it into long grass I don't necessarily think the UK government would have bounced it back honestly well no because again um, they would have had that threat of a referendum behind them as well like they, they would yes. have had some sort of actual political capital to leverage the other thing here Plus is as the, well the that all of this well all of this puts like see all your fucking alba mps all of them i say there's a fuck about two of them or some <laughs> shit yeah i was gonna say um, i didn't know there were yeah those cunts and joanna cherry other like fucking turfy pro-independence voices they're all in this really weird bind right now of any action owning them like, they can't get mad about the Section 35, but they also can't get mad about, you know, the, the other side of it as well. Like, they either come out of this either being pro-trans rights or pro-Scottish independence. They can't have it as, like, one or the other. They've got to have both of them in this circumstance. So they look like dickheads, whatever they do. It's a very good position um, for the SNP and the Greens to be sitting in. And this is all coming at the low, well, low cost yes, of having yes. a contentious political issue removed entirely from the Scottish government's competence and, you know, just the lives of trans people. But that's that's small stakes to a parliament that's quite happy to string them along for this fucking long. So I'm not saying this has all happened from the start and been planned out this way, but they could have timed this with like a couple of months fucking flipping it around and it could have been a very different result. But they didn't. They fucked it. So, yeah, good job. And this is why we don't talk Scott Paul. Yep. Anyway, th- that's the door closed on Scott Paul. Uh, you know, see you in another hundred or so episode. Wait, hold on, wait. Nope, it's, go up. it's gone. Oh, no. Door's closed. James is trapped in the Scott Paul dimension. How sad. <laughs> All I hear is bagpipes. All I taste is shortbread. Anyway, uh, speaking of preposterous uh, state events and, and constitutional arrangements, um, so the first details ish have come out about uh this year's everybody's favorite event this year um the new event that's going to heal the nation i am talking of course about the coronation of king charles the third uh there's been some there's been some uh, uh events that have been leaked out or just given out by the palace and may i say who boy um just as a as a taster the code name for the coronation and the entire uh, thing around it is called operation golden orb 
So apparently, and this is according to the Telegraph, it, uh, it, there's going to be three days, so Saturday, Sunday, and uh, Monday. So there will be a bank holiday, apparently. Um, and it will be a diverse coronation that brings the nation together in a three-day celebration to reflect modern multicultural Britain. Um, oh, yeah. That's, th- if there's one thing that's going to bring the nation together, it's something that is pro-royal family, but also pro-multiculturalism. That's definitely <laughs> you know, definitely going to please like all sides that. I'm trying to think of something witty to say, but all I've got in my head since you first said it, Rob, is sovereignty is stored in the orb. Like that's all I've got repeating in my head over and over again. That's a good. It's a good start. Uh, no, it reminds me nothing so much as that what they really want to do is like do uh, the 2012 Olympics opening ceremony, but for the royal family. I think like that's oh all the, all yes, the no, that actually I'm I'm entirely for this. If it's gonna be <laughs> gonna, a big multicultural, gonna push his mom's corpse out of a plane while dressed. As no, Jane no, Bond. no, no, no. It's no. That's not how you do it multiculturally. If you're gonna do it multiculturally, you get the um, pallbearers from Ghana. And they can do another funeral for Prince Philip. Uh, no, actually, how you do it is you get the last living uh, survivors of the uh, Mau Mau uprising, and then you push them out of a helicopter above the ocean. Oh, that sounds more British, yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, at first, uh, this was like from before the Christmas break. It was supposed to be uh, uh, what, what, what palace sources called a cut price coronation because of the cost of living crisis. Uh, but apparently we've changed our mind. It's now going to be a full fat event designed as an advertisement for the UK and sh- showcase the very oh. best of the country on the world stage. It Jam it up Charles. your fucking piss tube. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's Prince Charles hashtag not my king decided this. Like, <laughs> you know, there was an early story and then it mysteriously vanished, which is that, you know, they'd been saying, oh, we should do like a you know, restricted one. And then Prince Charles was like, no. Absolutely not. I get coronated once. Fuck the poors. We are doing a big, like, shebang. And that's uh, that's it. Um, so, you know, in, enjoy the gold. Uh, James, the James, I don't tree. think you fully understand it. Uh, concessions have been made. There's not going to be 8,000 uh-huh. people in Westminster Abbey. There's going to be 2,000. So I think you'll agree that that's a sacrifice the crown made, and we should all be thankful for it. Um, but the, the other concessions have been made. Some of them, I must say, to, to my sadness. Uh, so on Saturday, May 6th, we get this. None of these cuts are going to be the ones we want made. So <laughs> No, because essentially they've all been made like in, in service to like people don't have the attention span to sit through like a three-hour ceremony on television anymore. So they want to cut it down to like an hour and a half, too. Uh, and and like cut out. Is that right? Did, like, did it not just occur to them to just unplug everyone's fucking internet for the day? <laughs> no, you just just put a mobile game in one corner and Family Guy in the other, and and this on the other half, and it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So some of this is quotes from like various. Is Channel sources Five of- is Channel Five showing the Emoji Movie again? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Perhaps Patrick Stewart's greatest moment, yes. Um, anyway, uh, so I pulled some bits and pieces from various sources. Um, the Monarch 74 has opted to wear military uniform rather than the traditional breeches and stockings worn by his by various predecessors, which is a great <laughs> great shame, I have to say. Like, I would have enjoyed, like, more tradition. Uh, if you're going to have this ludicrous farce of a fucking monarchy in the 21st century, you should do it, like, as idiotic as possible. 
Like you should do it all the way uh, down. Another thing in this vein, which has been cut to my great sadness, um, this is from the BBC. Elements of the service could be reduced, such as the paying of homage and a claims office is currently looking at, uh, at which roles should be included. Previous coronations have had historic roles such as the Rouge Dragon Persuivant, Unicorn Persuivant and carriers of the Golden Spur and the White Wand. So I'm not sure we get to see those guys anymore. That's I, I assume the claims office is just like a very obscure team working in a DWP. <laughs> no it's like um it, it's uh, i was reading up on this in 52 or 53 whenever elizabeth's coronation was um uh-huh. because all this like archaic stupid crap has never been sorted out because britain has never had a proper revolution um like there has there are all these weird like aristocratic families that have like claimed to be the rouge dragon persuivant or the bearer of the white wand so they all want their role in the ceremony to be on the television show that they still matter. So even in 1953, they had like uh, um, also they had a, a what was it again a claims office that was presided over by I think like 21 judges to go over which like medieval historical idiot claim like the Dukes of Flimflam had to, to right, be a okay. part of. The this tree. is just the this is the boring court management of uh, Crusader Kings Three. This is the bit of the game I yeah. don't like. I know, okay. but like this is, and again, sadly, the traditional presentation of gold bars, gold bracelets, gold spurs, and a robe has also been cut for brevity, uh, and apparently oh. also out of respect for people struggling with the cost of living. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm raging that people don't deliver the gold bars to us anymore, but honestly, that has been one of the worst parts of the cost of living crisis. So I'm uh, very disrespectful I, I, to see him getting gold bars delivered to him. I'm still upset we can't have that as an option in our uh, on our Patreon either that you can't sub with and just send us present us with gold bars every t- every month. <laughs> I'd um, love to put the man. Patreon at the whims of the international mineral market. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I'm just the longer you talk, Rob, the more I'm just hearing like the the sounds of Boots Riley and his entourage coming over the fucking hill. Like, <laughs> just god damn. See, I. I what's going to happen is they're going to do this pageantry they're going to say oh we're going to make all these concessions right so as not to upset the poorers too much and if we're in a just world we'll upset you know we'll all be upset anyway because their idea of ah well you know we we can't have gold bars that'd be too much anyway how's the foie gras looking you know just like it's just going to be completely out of touch pish it's 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 pronounced foie gras but you know it's fine um (laughs) get baited (laughs) Uh, but James, it's not all downsides and like cuts. It's uh, as I said, it will be a spectacle that both the palace and the government will help sh- showcase UK PLC as a great place to do business. Oh, um, fuck that- off! <laughs> Uh, that's because one of the key learnings, uh, this is from the Telegraph, from Operation London Bridge and Spring Tide, uh, that's both the funeral and the period of mourning when Elizabeth died, uh, were proved to be great advertisements for modern Britain. So apparently after seeing, you know, the nation <laughs> dance around in hysterics how? for 10 days. Fucking, how the fuck was that? An adver- it was just fucking City 17 all over again. Just more fucking. Yeah, that was a pretty good advertisement of modern Britain, wasn't oh, it, David? fucking hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look how many fucking peons we can get to line up against a fucking rival. <laughs> come, come to normal island, citizen. It's more dangerous here. Just fantastic. Love it. 
I mean, we've shown, or like, was it, uh, the the railways have shown that at least they could put all their apps in grayscale on the day. So think of the amount of ad space you could cram inside that app on on the on the day of the coronation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, anyway, this is this is a line from the uh, I don't know who briefed this, but this is an incredible line. It's from the same article, The Telegraph. The monarchy does exert great soft power, and this is the equivalent of an aircraft carrier when it comes to international <laughs> relations. Ah, uh, yes, it has to be constantly refueled by the poor drawn alongside it. Um, but don't worry, it's got docking ports for your iPads. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, by the fantastic. way, it keeps flooding. <laughs> yeah that's why the fingers are swollen um yeah so then on uh sunday may 7 there will be a star-studded concert also featuring various amateur singers brackets the nation's faces and voices as well as oh, and no. i'm really curious to see how this is going to work a virtual choir with singers from across the commonwealth you remember the commonwealth still a thing Oh. Not for fucking long. Nothing says mm. star-studded concert like amateur singers. Yeah. <laughs> but you can enjoy watching that over your uh, uh, and and I you know I assume that most of our listeners will be organising one. There will be a coronation big lunch at which friends and neighbours <laughs> will join forces to celebrate at street parties, which will say, take place on the same date. So you know, is this a, this at uh, Gary Sandbrook's house? Is it? <laughs> Mate, it obviously isn't. He's only got six chips. That's not on the feed, everyone. Yeah, but they're big enough. I mean, uh, this is from CNN. The Coronation Big Lunch helps you bring the celebration right into your own street or backyard, said... And this is the fucking job title of the house. Peter Stewart, Chief Purpose Officer at the event's organizing <laughs> body, The Eden Project. I mean, they absolutely do need someone to fabricate a purpose of a monarchy. Oh. Credit where credit is due. Hardest working man in the nation. I have never <laughs> seen a job title I have wanted more. <laughs> this sounds like a real weekend to stay at home for. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay, Jamie. You can stay at home on the weekend, but on Monday, we will be asking you to leave the house because Monday will be the day of the big help out. A volunteer scheme devised in tribute will to his majesty. Will it like? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, Monday, May 8 is just a rehashed version of Clean for the Queen. That's just <laughs> what that is. Or Clean for the King, I should probably say this time. That doesn't oh. rhyme, though. <laughs> yeah, so so lots to look forward to in, uh, in 2023, I think we, we can all agree. Clean bracket spring for the king. <laughs> is that anything? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, we'll, we'll workshop it. Uh, we'll, we'll get our chief purpose officer involved. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by the way, Alistair, because you're not here this episode, you are now Praxis Cast's chief purpose officer. By the way, just oh, <laughs> just as hell. an FYI. Or did they express my interest uh, in the role, and it's just whisked away from me? Fucking typical. What What I loved about it, David, is you said I was no job I'd rather like more, and I'm just like, really? I thought commissar was very appealing to you. Yeah. What is a commissar if not a chief purpose officer? <laughs> what does the commissar give you? Purpose. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, fair. Okay. Yeah, but does the commissar ever organise a big help out to eat out or whatever the fuck we're doing on that Monday? Yeah, only when rations run low. <laughs> 
Speaking of rations, rations running low, by the way, um, oh, I thought we should off. return to an old favorite. Uh, I think maybe at this point, maybe we could call her our um, unofficial Praxis Cast reporter. Uh, there was yet another delightful piece uh, right before the end of the new uh, of the end of 2022 by Helen Kerwin. Is this about the windowsill bees? Yes, it's about the windowsill people. <laughs> Get <laughs> in. <laughs> The two contrasts of podcasting is practice. Oh. Yeah, but they, but this time they're not in trouble. They're not necessarily in trouble. They're all doing their bit. Um, how Sorry, even? I love, does... I love, I love, I love, I love Rob that they just said, "Oh, they're not necessarily in trouble." I mean, trouble. It's like <laughs> got something on the brain there, Rob. <laughs> how yeah, even? You, does... you know, like you know that whole question of like, hey, you know, do you think when the bell rang, did Pavlov think, "Oh, I need to feed the dog"? Is that kind of what's happening to you with your truffle training? <laughs> something like that. Yes. Um, so how? This is the article title: How even the super rich are scrimping in the winter of discontent. Oh, <laughs> eat my <sighs> shit and hair. <laughs> There's a new blood sport you? in vogue with the truly wealthy. Beat your friends to the <laughs> biggest bargains in town. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, this is going to be a belter. All right, I'm strapped in. Let's right. go. So, the biggest uh, bargains in town. Like they're all fighting over like twenty p tins of beans in fucking Aldi or some shit. <laughs> no, it's, it's clearly about it's that scene in Action Man where we're trying to get the uh, figurine from the store. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Except it's going to be what was it again, Rob? Foy Gras, was it? Hey, hey, I'm only doing that once. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I've cut a few uh, paragraphs out of this because the paragraphs I cut were almost literally like um, advertisers for designers Helen Kerwin Taylor is working with, and like they're not getting ad on our podcast. Um, the latest yeah, sport. God, God forbid that our audience might, you know, give them some business. This seems like exactly the sort of people they'd want to market to anyway. <laughs> God damn. The latest sport in smart circles is competitive thrift. As inflation soars, global investments nosedive, and the war in Ukraine continues, cutting back has become the in thing to do, even for those who never need look at their bank balances. We need to ignore these people as a matter of urgency. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think there was a, a, a report, it was released with Davos, so I think that would have made it Oxfam or Amnesty International, probably, well, usually it's Oxfam, that like, I think in the last two years, the top 1% of like, wealthy people in the world hoovered up like two thirds of all growth in the world, like, they've just made out like bandits, but don't worry, they're all doing their thing. We recently spent a weekend in the country with a hedge fund couple. The house was big, the garden billowy, suggesting the planting of something like Tom Stewart Smith. There was recognizable art, but what did they choose to draw our attention to? The curtains. We just bought these at a fire sale in Mayfair, they says, said, showing us swaths and swaths of window dressing. We found a seamstress and she readjusted them. The specimens were made of silk and garishly tasseled, but who cares? What mattered, quite obviously, was the money they'd saved. I fucking hate everything about this. Really, really fucking, like, making my shit itch. The idea of these, like, fucking rich cunts just, like, pretending that they have to save money. Oh, we saved like, you know, five quid on some curtains that cost 10 grand. Oh, aren't we thrifty? It's the cost of living, don't you know? 
it's a it's a kind of performance where essentially to prevent the poor from getting too uppity, they're doing this whole performative. Oh, everyone's suffering right now. It's not just you. When it is just us. I mean, it's, I got um, strong yeah. whiffs of like Marie Antoinette dressing up like a milkmaid. Yes. Yes. This is um this is them treating you know the little voucher booklets that you sometimes get posted through, and it says there's yes. so many hundreds or thousands of pounds of savings in it. This is them trying to hundred percent the savings. <laughs> They're just going I mean, out and buying also... shit they don't fucking need, so that they can say I saved X amount of money on this. Do you oh, think there are... that Marie Antoinette ever used the phrase "cosy lives"? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on on another occasion recently, I visited a friend in her Chelsea home, new, newly finished by a world-famous interior designer. It was the Ugh. IKEA rolling cabinets and flea market finds, repainted and reworked, that she pointed out. My friend went to great lengths to explain what she had sourced from where, how that oversized light above the countertop was actually from an old operating theater, suggesting that... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Customized IKEA furniture is their idea of thrift. I know. <laughs> I just like the idea what? that this designer fucking fleeced somebody. He's like, no, no, it's very chic to have Ikea and just like tacked it on for like <laughs> five million extra pounds. Well, you how, are they, how are they customizing the shit from Ikea though? They got like one of those sharks, but with sunglasses on or something. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I love the idea of like, well, obviously Ikea is tat for the pops, but, but if we, you know, put some nice paint on it, etc., then maybe we'll make it serviceable. And uh, it'll make us kind of jolly, like, almost like we're one of them. Ha 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 yes. And meanwhile, everyone else is like, God, I wish I could afford to go to Ikea right now. It doesn't really matter to the shopper that I the could flea market... I could really go for some meatballs now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, what are those hot dogs? I do like the Ikea hot dogs. Oh, they yeah, are. they're so good, like... Are what? any of them open late? Could we just bin this off and go to Ikea? <laughs> um, I'm pretty... Mm, I could possibly make it, actually. Can I put the flight oh, on David. the account? <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll get we'll get David's closest. He can go right, David. So that's three meatballs, one hot dog, and ah oh, no, come on, that's not even. Like the hot dogs are way more cheap. I'll have an end table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't really matter to the shopper that the flea market finds have been restored and lacquered and now cost more than they would new. What matters is that they can crow about it that it was sourced without saying by whom. I go to great lengths to find a secretaire for 100 euros at auction and then send it to be restored, says interior designer turned shopkeep Honor Riley. Clients absolutely love it. I use inherited pieces at IKEA finds. If you can mix it, you look so much more involved than your friends. Now, she uh, what, this is what this is basically showing is, look, I have time luxury. Is, is what their currently status competing on. It's like, I have the time to do this shit, unlike you. Because obviously that implies I've got the money to be able to do this shit, unlike you, my friend. And uh, yeah, fuck them. Just fuck them so much. So, such objects find their way into interiors similar to the Hotel Heckfield Place in Hampshire, with clay walls, bowwork lime wash, wrinkled linen, and creaky oak floors, redesigned, brackets, it was all shiny before, by Ben Thompson, some kind of interior designer. It's a modern rendition of the Belgian decorator Axel Vervoort, who strips everything back to the bare bones, brackets, including removing most of the client's furniture along the way. <laughs> If again, 
if you're very wealthy, subscribe to our 500 quid Patreon and we will come to your house and take most of the furniture away. That's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we'll, we'll swap it out with and some we'll IKEA. Throw in, I mean, we'll throw in the bees on the windowsill for like a treat on the way out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe like change any light bulbs you've you've struggled with. <laughs> the five hundred pound know, tier, by the way, is actually it did used to be a thousand pounds. So there's a five hundred pound saving to be made there. So that that's true. That's true. Do you know yeah. there's something there's something I learned recently, like if a thought that was introduced to me and it struck me pretty hard, which is that I get interested the reason, too. <laughs> uh not that kind for once. Uh no, it was um the reason the rich can you know, they've got this whole minimalism aesthetic is that it's a sign of wealth. Because if you're rich and you can afford to just go buy whatever you need, you don't need to hold on to something in case you need it later. And that kind of resonates with me because I'm a terrible hoarder of just stuff. Not like, you know, rubbish or anything, but just stuff that I might need one day down the line. And you it's might need the rubbish as well, though. You should hold that, too. What, to pelt it at whatever yeah. my internet kind of... <laughs> For the coronation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so, like, you know, this whole minimalism thing is yet another, you know, conspicuous display of consumption, essentially. It's just, it's it's gilded, it's out of remove, it's, you know, it, it's not quite as raw and in your face. It's a far cry from the gold wallpaper and rattan furnishings of the Downing Street yesteryear. No one will oh, yeah, shut the fuck, fuck up spend... about the wallpaper. Shut the <laughs> fuck up about that fucking wallpaper. <laughs> That's possibly the best of the bridge we've done, Rob. <laughs> that worked quite well. Oh, <laughs> no I'm one so wants to fucking be tired of this. No one wants to be seen to be spending, says Riley. It feels out of touch and profligate. The appeal of the well, rugged father. What you should father- do is give me your money. And I'll do the spell. I'll spend on your behalf, and then you won't look fucking gauche or whatever the fuck you're worried about. You can't, yeah, Jamie. Jamie, how can you be so uncouth? Don't you know there's a cost of living crisis on at the moment? You can't. Just Years spend. of practice, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the appeal of the rugged farmhouse look is that no one knows if you spent ten quid or ten thousand. Okay. Uh, anyway, I've cut some. I cut some paragraphs because it's boring at designer advertising. Uh, but let's get back in. Spending less on fashion has long been a trend, but here too, that imperative urgently felt. Last summer, I donned my first ever Zara shirt in hottest pink. The instant response from my friends who have never shopped at Zara either, I must get that too, practically created an internet outage. Why? Because saving money makes you happier. I wish I could go and shop in Zara right now. Like, my coat my coat that I really like is from Zara, you know? Um, but nope, nope, can't fucking afford it right now. But here's these cunts going, oh, isn't it nice for a jolly laugh to step oh. down rough it among the poor's and go to Zara and Ikea? Just fuck these yeah, guys. Yeah, give so it another much. six months and they'll be doing the same thing, but about, like, Greg's or something. A study conducted by Claremont Graduate University found that when you offer people the opportunity to save money, they experience a greater boost in oxytocin levels than they do when they receive a gift. Discovery Why didn't your fucking group, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, honest to God, that's, that's a fascinating study because I bet you there's some fucking selection bias going yeah. on there. Put me oh. in, coach. <laughs> what actually right sorry what kind of a cunt feels the stanford more savings ha- experiment <laughs> <laughs> no but like what kind of fucking cunt 
like when they get the choice between we could save a little bit of money gets like rock hard versus someone who's like hey i got you this thoughtful gift like what kind of a dickhead would rather save money than get a thoughtful gift from someone like just you could like just ridiculous. get people's ex- heads explode like in scanners if you give them like a coupon book then because it's both <laughs> Also, not to throw Stanley shade on Stanley Milgram just sure giving like everyone a present on the way out of the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> also, not to throw shade on what is undoubtedly a worthy institution, but I'm not sure the Claremont Graduate University is really, you know, the place to go for these. Certainly, I've kind. never fucking heard of it. <laughs> Discovery. Uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds like fuck? it sounds like a made-up school, like where they would train X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> like. You know, maybe, maybe they have some worthy stuff going on, but I bet you there's some selection bias in who they've got going, attending, and in the surrounding areas. So, yeah, it's uh, only it's only people with like lasers for eyes or who can walk through walls. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> Everyone knows that you know Pre- Professor Xavier is notoriously tight-fisted, and so he commissioned research to match his biases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Telekinesis, but only for for things that are twenty percent off or more. Um. <laughs> Discovering a cheaper <laughs> alternative to everyday staples. I'm just picturing you have to team team that person, that X man, up with another X man whose special power was like firing price stickers. No, I, you're, you're missing a point. It's uh, it's it's Nightcrawler on the Black Friday day rush. Like he's unstoppable, just fucking bamfing around and grabbing the deals. You know. Discovering a cheaper alternative to everyday staples such as food is a head rush, even if it's only temporary. When we host, why is po- an alternative to sta- to food? Sorry, a cheaper alternatives, what? cheaper alternative, or oh, cheaper alternatives? Right, sorry, I'm just like, have w- w- you eaten cardboard now? What bees? Like, when do sell bees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out these cattails are really <laughs> nutritious. Putting them all on like a cocktail stick and roasting them over a candle. <laughs> sautéed in their own honey for irony. When we hosted a party, we went to Aldi to get the champagne, says a friend who never usually shops for food herself. Jesus fucking Christ. It was... That that, that sentence just got worse the longer it went on. Oh, don't, don't don't worry about it. It's still it, let me let me keep going. Sure, no, hang on. It was just, Surely, if these fuckers have gone to Aldi, they've seen the middle aisle. Like, what? What did they react? How did they? <laughs> Cope with the middle aisle of fucking Aldi. That's the article I want to fucking read here. People like having just like having seizures in front of the Aldi middle aisle. That's just like that's like that's your local landlord. I don't understand who got the batteries right next to the mouthwash. It makes no sense at all. This is fantastic. It was delicious, and it put us all in a good mood just knowing that. Aldi and Lidl have become the mainstay of wealthy thrifters, so worthy of mockery that TikTok videos now satirize them. They go slumming to the budget supermarkets with friends as a sort of cultural outing. Clive Black. (laughs) This is surprising that somebody wants to This is some Antoinette shit. This is some Antoinette shit. I'm sorry, but this is constructing her own fucking Aldi as a bit. Just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Dressing up. Forget the milkmaid shit. It's getting one of the vests and going behind the till and doing the checkout for their rich mates. Just like, what? Clive Black, a retail analyst at city broker Shaw Capital, calls the big swing to shops. That's a real shops- job. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Calls the big swing to shops such as Tesco, Aldi, and Lidl an unnatural trade. They are gaining the footfall that in normal times I don't think they would get, he says. A Lidl insider tells me that its dark chocolate with caramel pieces is a high net worth bestseller. Are we experiencing the gentrification of Aldi? Is this going to have economic yes. consequences for the rest of us? Ah, uh, probably not. Yes, but like, but you know, doing it ironically, which is worse. It's ironic yeah. gentrification. I hate it. Mm. It's only apparently the dark chocolate with caramel pieces that's being gentrified. So I think the, the, the rest still still seems safe for now. It seems only yesterday that Waitrose worshippers were being mocked by Michael McIntyre. <laughs> Truly, that's a fucking fate worse than death. <clears throat> Worst person you know. As if fucking Michael McIntyre isn't the worst middle class cunt on this island. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, credit where credit's due. Michael McIntyre is a cunt and he is middle class, but I don't think he's the worst middle class cunt. But there's some stiff competition for that, Jamie. There's one way to find yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thunderdome. Um. <laughs> Now, the boss is... Wearing them into the Thunderdome by disguising it as an Aldi or a Lidl. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's not a bad thing. I like the idea of a self-populating gulag. (laughs) (laughs) Just a series of unmarked vans driving through the Cotswolds with a big sticker on the back saying coupons inside and just seeing who we can (laughs) fucking dredge up. (laughs) We'll get we'll get a fucking brilliant book out of it. Uh, Gulag's Aldi, don't you? We'll probably follow you before long. Now the boast is: which stall at which farmer's market sells the cheapest Brit ch- cheapest British cheese? I always get discounts at Lidgate, says a culinary friend, a, ho- a Holland Park stalwart. I don't know what that is because I have a word with the butcher. I. Uh, I don't know what okay. Lidgate, whatever. I don't know what any of that means. I, I, um, that sounds like that sounds like a really old timey euphemism. <laughs> like you know, you're you coming down the pub tonight. Oh, I can't tonight, mate. I got to have a word with a butcher. <laughs> 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 but if that's part one of the code, what the hell is part two? Uh, getting discounted Lidgate is that is that like some other? Uh, is that like a once year thing? On is that only on your? You birthday? only you only find out what that means after you've seen a man about a dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just hung up on the phrase culinary friend. This idea that I've got a friend, but it's solely for culinary purposes. Um, <laughs> like that's a class indicator if ever there was one. Competitive thrift is insider, and that's the key to its appeal. After all, <laughs> successful people. <laughs> After all, successful people enjoy winning, even if that's just saving a few quid on bubbly and chocks. Not a week goes by that I don't get invited to a. St- <laughs> to a sample sale the outnet pollutes my phone sample with clearance sale. sales daily even if you stop even if you sh- sorry 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 sample sale yeah sorry the what, what did you never <laughs> like, these um, are the people that think they're saving big but they're buying uh, samples yes are these not, even are if samples not usually bis- given freely no 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 it's like the 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 samples are, what the hell's this? Oh, is it always oh, is, is this a like rich a, thing? A I thimble don't full of goose fat rather than an oil drum. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> See, when I when I think sample, we're talking shops and we're samples. I just assume like some really grotty fucking. Going back shape. to the guy with the fancy new cheese sticks. 
like six times wearing different hats yeah. that you've stolen from the fucking clothing section. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I love We've all played that game. The experience, you just, the experience you just described is pretty much universal to us. I'm assuming Rob as well, but it'd be fucking alien to these people that it's like we're talking about right now. What's Sending their butler back in six different hats. <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy just selling leather jackets so that you can go back up to the samples guy <laughs> even if you shop at Bista Village you only go with the additional discount coupons that are bestowed upon the initiated so apparently there's a secret world of like really expensive food shops I guess where you have to be in the know to get a discount coupon that's just... <laughs> That's just that's the worst fucking thing of it. I'm having I'm having a look to see right. Bister Village browse all boutiques. Hmm. Mm. Uh oh yeah. There's um bunch of these here that I just don't fucking recognise, and the ones that I do, I would never shop in. So that's that's cool. Oh, they've got a Clark's. Never mind. Fashion is where the thriftiest of competitors excel. Zoe Swen, I hope I pronounced that correct, a fashion writer and brand consultant, (laughs) (laughs) says the mood has shifted from priceless, unfun, dry-clean-only minimalism of The Row and Celine to the grungy look of the 90s with messy eye makeup to boot. Brackets... Brackets Balenciaga's romp through the dystopian mud at its Paris show in October gave us all an inkling of what's to come. And if you don't remember what that is, because of course you don't, because that's that's the kind of brain you reserve for people who do your podcast. Um, you remember last year Balenciaga, which is this incredibly expensive brand, they uh, sold a p- exclusive pairs of extra destroyed high top sneakers uh, that cost oh. eighteen. 18- $1,850 a pair and came pre-shredded, pre-stained and graffitied with the brand written all was with this, Sharpie um, on the side. Was this before or after they did all, they did all the child Satanism I heard about on Twitter? <laughs> the what? <laughs> it was it was, it was was uh, them that got like fucking yeah. chased by the QAnon lot. Yeah, but they, they did some really weird um, um, ads with kids in it that was really fucking oh, right, okay. weird. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even know that. I just like I know there was like QAnon people talking about like fucking uh the fashion the fashion show being Satanist or something. No, it was I yeah. It was actually, proof that Hillary Clinton murdered all those children in that fucking pizza house. It was no, it was specifically <laughs> they did uh, a series of ad campaigns. They were selling like teddy bears. I'll put a picture for you in the chat so you can have a look. Um they they dressed they sold teddy bears dressed in what can only be described as uh, BDSM-inspired outfits, uh, and then sold those to kids. So then, of course, the QAnon people went fucking mental. Oh. Huh. Of course, uh, yeah, but here, co- here comes, unsurprisingly, the turn. Of course, there are things that even a recession won't change. Ladies may forego Botox injections, but never their very expensive face cream habit. They will, however, tell their friends how much they love the cheaper beauty brand that is a TikTok favorite. It goes without saying that the wealthy will sell off one of their four houses long before they give up the private schools, private doctors, and most of all, expensive lawyers and tax advisors. I've got this one weird trick that would allow them to do all of that. Yeah. (laughs) Is it give it to Jamie? Yes. <laughs> thrift 
Thrift, whether necessary or not, also reminds us of our grandparents and parents who actually lived through war. It's not a coincidence that the latest cookbook... Uh, I don't think our parents actually lived through war. Well, hers probably did. She's like uh, 55 or 60 or something like that. So I'm imagining hers might have, but then they were kids or something. So fucking who knows? It's not a... <laughs> it's not a... <laughs> this is such a great paragraph. <laughs> It's not a coincidence. It's that always the latest... good when you get the giggles before you've read it. <laughs> it's it's not a coincidence that the latest cookbook being passed around by Book Club recently was not Yotam Otolenghi, but by the late American food writer MFK Fisher, How to Cook a Wolf, which was first published in 1942, <laughs> includes a chapter called How to Stay Alive. How to cook a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I know. How, how is that? How is that relevant to twenty first century Britain? <laughs> well, I mean, if if thrift and like being conservative with energy of food is just an attitude to you, then you of course Are they just do like this fucking shit. taking their SUV on a raid through the, the little <laughs> safari park. <laughs> It offers top tips on how to use every minute of oven heat, brackets, the warming up and cooling off bits too, and how to cook sludge, a soup whose ingredients include one floppy carrot to last you a week. It's not a very a, inclusive book. What about all those poor agate owners? Well, I, I think that, you know, they have long warming up and cooling off periods, uh, David, so I think I think they are actually the ones to... They which, do, they're usually to, measured in yields. <laughs> A blackout shelf full of provision seems eerily relevant, brackets, even though a tin of anchovies from Portugal costs 30 quid these days. That is true, by the way. That's super fucking annoying that anchovies have got, gotten fancy. I, well, I, I mean... For your own fine. survival. I was largely ambivalent about the rest of this article, but fucking anchovies, I'm going to become the joker. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the thrift discussion is about what we don't do. Ladies who lunched now meet for coffee. Ladies who shopped now repair what they already own. As place, at places such as the restory, or else watch a YouTube how-to video and spend the evening darning a rug. Joanne, <laughs> Joanna Bacon... I was, I was previously unaware of the existence of Top Hat YouTube. Again, it's a whole market we could get into. Why do we spend? Why do we waste our time on Twitch when we could get into uh, how to don a rug? Is that a thing that people actually do? I genuinely don't know. I'm. I am asking. I don't fucking. Let's assume that these cunts do. Joanna Bacon, managing partner at the at an architectural firm, disguises her cashmere sweaters moth holes with furry pom poms. How fun. <laughs> She really missed her calling. There's a police officer I've ever heard one. <laughs> the thriftiest blondes don't even leave the house. Picture a group of seven women, many of them titled heiresses, sitting around a large kitchen table. Moving between them is an energetic French woman, bleach in one hand, drier in the other, as they sip home-brewed non-Nespresso, the original, original being famously uneco, expensive and not very good. She performs highlight magic. I enjoy it because it is a good way to catch up with friends for a few hours, says one client. Best of all, it only costs a hundred quid a head. In a salon, it would be four times that. What? 
I hate these people so fucking much. I hate these people so much. Like, I just... I. <sighs> when I delved further, I discovered that only two out of ten women I consulted visit salons. The, other, the others have the salons visit them. Nothing makes you feel more punk than knowing how to look well-groomed for very little. I think I think that yeah, was the book. Hundred quid a head is very little. I think that's also what the punk movement was I'll about do it for in cheaper. the eighties. <laughs> exactly. Just let us come by with like a fistful of safety pins, and then we'll see about your uh, your more new punk and, and down market look. Most obvious is the way the super rich now travel. Gone are the five star poolside snaps. Uh, instead, guest rooms are back in fashion. We redid ours recently in the full knowledge that many of our friends have sold their London homes only to find themselves outpriced in the capital. Brackets, everyone wants a sunny lateral two-bedroom flat near a park these days. They still come to London, but rather than stay in an overpriced hotel, they take me up on the friend B&B offer. You're welcome to stay, but a small contribution towards the cleaner and the heating is appreciated. It's warm, it's generous, it's in the spirit, says Honor Riley. Sharing is how we get through the dark times. Yeah, it's in the spirit to uh, to have people come stay at my, you know, not hotel and ask them to contribute to the cost of upkeep. Um, you know, have a mate over for a couple of nights, but you better put that 50 quid down on your way in the door. Knowing these guys is going to be more than that, frankly. Just... Uh... But that's fine. I mean, it's it's just it's, it's cargo coat like, shit. <laughs> it's what? just people like imitating what it is to be human. It's like yeah, you know, yeah. When, yeah. when when we have you know when we have friends to come and, and stay and you know whatever it's fine. They bring you know they bring a bottle of wine or they cook or you know you do like a small th something because it's nice and you know it's kind to. You know, if you if you get to stay with somebody for a few days to do something nice for them to, or you know, whatever. But it's like, this is just th these freaks have just seen that and just like thought, oh, that's what humans do. And and now we have to. The fashion of the season is to pretend that we are human beings, and it's like it's this fucking a, atrocious. It's a, oh, this is a it's a cottage industry of the experience economy, but for. Pov Safari. Yeah, and you know, as you've been talking about this, there's a there's a through thread through here because you go back to that article um quoted study about how, you know, it's it's better to save money than it is to receive a gift, right? I just don't know what this literally is, is it's doing how about we do a gift economy but without the gift part? You know? Because gift economies are like the they're, they're the lifeblood of friendship, etc. Um but let's just get get rid of the gift part, you know? Just, yeah, they're, they're fucking insufferable. I mean, I was reminded, David, you were just saying the 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 the, the pauper safari. You remember it was a couple of years ago. Maybe they did still fucking do it because Davos, the World Economic Forum, has just been and gone. Um, you remember oh, God, they used to yeah. do like the the you know day in the life of a refugee where they like mm -hmm. put people in smocks and then just like ran them through a passport check or something. This is oh, that Jesus. shit. But you know, it's just. And I, I mean, I know I just talked about it during the article, but like the statistics of like two thirds of all wealth generated in the last two years has gone to the 1%. And it's like, I, I can't remember the, t the full statistics off the top of my head, but I think by any reasonable metric, like we are now in a more unequal situation than like the Victorian age or the Gilded age or any of like the ages of 
really extreme wealth inequality and it's just there's no pressure against it anymore it's all fucking you know now we just have have fucking rachel reeves talking about growth and all this shit and like i don't like this shit I, it breaks my mind that i can't that on the one hand i cannot see like this level of gross inequality continuing but on the other hand i can't see it stopping and it's genuinely freaking me out i don't know like how to you know what the synthesis between those two things is i don't know if there is one it's just really fucking disturbing yeah um yeah, the, the the position is not good enough to begin a manoeuvre yet, but then there's no manoeuvre really in sight, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's yeah. just fucked. Everyone's just fucked, and I hate all of this, and I specifically hate this fucking writer. It, yeah, I, I hate her too, but it is, you know... I do think that reading her shit... I, I, we won't do it all the time, obviously, because, like, even us... To, you know, trade professionals can only handle this much garbage so much of the time. But it is worthwhile to sort of keep an eye out on this shit to see, like, when these people take off with your money through fucking tax havens and tax cuts and all the other horseshit that they do to just get away with it, this is what they're doing with the fucking money. This. Yeah. This shit. This is, uh, this is exactly what the coronation is going to be like, you know. This is their idea of like, ah, yes, thrift. Let's like, you know, make it cheaper and less expensive. So uh, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. We'll just yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, the the concession of the super rich is that they won't have a a a a white rod bearer or a dragon persuivant. When that, whereas you know, last year they would have had two. That's the that's the concession that's being made to you. Anyway, I really you the, know the I, concession is they'll buy a knockoff Colin the Caterpillar from Aldi. anyway so next time you're in aldi or little and you see someone like having a having a full-on spasm attack um in the middle aisle check their shoes first if they're balenciaga just fucking leave them there if it's anybody else call call an ambulance you know and that's your advice Uh, if it if it, if it looked like they're wearing a lot of American kind of branded stuff, then it might just be a Republican who's had the vaccine. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's us for Broadcasting is Praxis today. David, shall we do some nice bloggy things? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, good thing I'm back here. Uh, you can get more episodes that are like this, but slightly better at patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can get us on Twitch uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays from evening time, some point. Um, Twitch.tv forward slash PraxisCast. You can find out about that on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash PraxisCast. And you can get merch, which includes uh, t-shirts and hoodies, etc., which is praxiscast.tmail.com. Yep. And that's it. Joining our Patreon gets you access to our mansion commune um, and all the terrible posting that goes on in there. So mm-hmm. please do consider it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Also listen to Peace at Home. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye.